Welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. Today, we are talking about building a brand as a hairstylist and an independent educator with my fabulous guest joining me all the way from Sydney, Australia, Christina Russell. In this conversation, we cover some really incredible and powerful topics, everything from consultations, even paid consultations, messaging, becoming a brand educator, and then graduating to independent education, doing scary things, finding a niche, all of these things. It is an episode that you do not want to miss. But speaking of branding and the global hair community, I have something really exciting that I want to share with you. I am hosting an intimate branding and marketing retreat and mastermind experience in the fall of 2023. You can join me in Italy this October for an amazing retreat that will help nourish your soul, elevate your brand, and laser focus your messaging to truly take your career to the next level. The combination of inspiration and strategy you will experience in this intimate retreat is priceless. I really can't wait to introduce and facilitate this incredible experience. So we are going to be in a private villa and we are going to be diving all the way into creating a truly magical brand and marketing plan for your business. If you have big dreams for your career as an industry educator or entrepreneur, this retreat might be the perfect fit for you. We are already half sold out, but there is still time to head over to jodybrown.ca slash retreat and fill out your application for this amazing, amazing experience. All right. So that being said, let's get back to the details of today's episode. One of my favorite parts of this conversation with Christina today, and I'm recording this intro after the fact, is how she found her niche and also found the courage to step into independent education. Again, we're talking about messaging to attract the perfect clients, building a brand first as a hairstylist, and then moving into building a brand as a global educator. We also touch on finding out what makes you feel successful in a really tangible way. So I can't wait for you to listen to this. Before we dive into this conversation, if you love the Hairstylist Rising podcast, you have got to check out Color Christina Talks. Christina Russell, who you will know after today as my incredible guest, gets really practical with industry advice for color-loving hairdressers and salon owners wanting to grow their confidence. Color Christina Talks is one of the top rated podcasts in Australia for hairdressers, and I know that you're really going to love it. So be sure to check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. Without further ado, let's get into today's epic conversation with Christina Russell. You're listening to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. Here, we talk about creating a career you love. We go deep into mindset, marketing, business, and life as a hairstylist. I'm your host, Jody Brown, a hairstylist veteran turned branding and marketing mentor for ambitious, inspired beauty pros like you. 
On this podcast, we share the real stories of leaders within the beauty industry and actionable trainings that leave you with the tools and guidance that will inspire you to build your best life as a hairstylist. From branding, business, and marketing to mindset, life, and finding fulfillment, no topic is off limits here. Get ready to be educated and inspired. This is the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. We're just going to dive right in today. I am so excited to have Christina Russell joining me all the way from Sydney, Australia, to talk about building a personal brand, building online education, and really getting comfy in finding your niche. This is going to be an incredible conversation. And thank you so much for joining me, Christina. Thank you so much, Jody. I am so excited to be chatting with you and to be talking about how I built a personal brand and niching down and creating the work that I love. So I'm super excited to be chatting with you. I can't wait to get into this because I think it's really magical what you've created. And so before we get started, can you just give a little intro on how you got into the beauty industry, your journey, and what you're doing today. Absolutely. So I am situated in Sydney, Australia. I have been in the hairdressing industry as a hair color specialist for more than 20 to almost 25 years. I've been hairdressing for nearly 30 years and have been based in Sydney as far as working in salons. I've been an independent artist. I'm currently renting a chair. I've worked for some of the biggest salons that were the commission-built salons with walk-in clients. And I've always been really enthusiastic about learning and continuing education as well as I've been an educator. So I've really aligned myself with different mentors and I've turned up to as many classes as I can to learn. I'm not a fast learner. I'll share that. It took me five and a half years to do my apprenticeship. At the time, it was a four-year program in Australia and other parts of the world. You would go to a college one day a week and then you need to be employed and working in a salon the other four days a week. So it's a full-time commitment. And I just didn't start somewhere that was offering me extended training to help me get to be as skilled as I needed to be. So I paired up with somebody in the first ever colour specialist salon in Australia. Her name is Alison Schroer. And the salon was called Blondes, Brunettes and Redheads. I talked my way in and I stayed there. And when she realized my skill set, she offered me to go backwards in my training. It made me more affordable. And she offered me incredible training, support to enter competitions and to start touring with her on her education team. So it was an offer. Wow. Too good to not do, but looking back at a young me, it was quite a big decision because I think it was the difference between earning $150 a week and maybe $168. And that was, you know, going backwards a couple of years. It was, it was tricky, but I've also, I've, I've been with major brands. I've worked with 
Redken, I had a long-term relationship with them and toured around the world. So I've worked on some of the biggest stages as well as in some of the smallest salons doing training. And I've had a really colourful career and I just absolutely love it, but I didn't always love it. So I did step off the floor for a few years to just work a couple days a week to allow me to go to art school. I learned textile design and printmaking within um, Sydney's National Art School. They did uh, visual arts, textiles and fashion. And I really fell in love with colour theory there. And then that helped me get back into hairdressing. So I've had a long time in hairdressing, but I wasn't always fully immersed in it. And That is what has led me to where I am today, speaking with you on your fabulous podcast. Wow, I love that. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. And you know, what really excites me about the beauty industry and even what I'm doing today, and it sounds like what excites you is the art of it, right? That creativity. And so the fact that you went to art school makes a lot of sense. I love that. And it's interesting because that's where, you know, we all think about color theory from a hairstylist perspective. And I love hearing that it was the textiles thing that got you back into color theory. It's more of a pure color theory. So it can speak to whatever brand people are using. It's not just linked to a marketing that a brand is teaching us. Right. Which now you are teaching, and this is something I think is really interesting, is that now you are, you're teaching what you're also doing in your chair, right? So you are a red, red specialist primarily, blondes, coppers, and reds. And that's what you teach as well, right? Yeah, right. And I have been doing, I don't own scissors. I do a few quick express blaster, as I call them, where we're just checking the color. I'm not in styling. It wasn't my strength. I've always loved formulating. The hair color techniques were something I needed to learn. And something that I saw at a time uh, a few years ago, I would say around four to five years ago, I realized in order to stand out globally and on a social media platform and within a salon I was working in with about 30 hairdressers there, I needed a niche or a point of difference that clients that didn't fit that knew that they should come and see me. And I, I love color corrections. I'm confident in permanent color and tinting. Mm. And I really love all the nuances of mixing up color. And so many red hair natural beauties had said to me over the years, I just can't find a hairdresser that can color or blend my grays or give me a boost of color without me looking like I've been to the salon. So I realized the niche was how to create natural looking warm colors or bright colors for blondes and redheads and to do transformations. And that was the beginning of me niching down and becoming a specialist in hair painting redheads. Wow. So that is a huge lesson, I think. And I just want to reiterate that for, you know, if you're listening and and you have struggled to figure out, you know, what your niche is, what your point of difference is. I love how Christina shared that it was looking at the gap. That is a brilliant way to really find what's needed, whether it's in your area or if you're just looking to stand out and create something different. 
I love that that's how you came into the niche that you're in today. Was it was it nerve-wracking at all? Because sometimes I talk to stylists who want to niche down, but have a little bit of fear surrounding, you know, if this if I go too deep into this niche, then what if nobody wants that anymore? And what if I never get any other clients? Can you speak a little bit on that? Absolutely. I think that is a worthwhile fear to acknowledge, but then to really look at what the opportunity is around that. So I could I could share with a couple of examples that I think that it's sometimes what other people are saying to us and they may not be experts. They may be family members. They might be other clients and they say things that they consider are helpful, but they may not be really that helpful. So it could be, oh, what if you do that and then you don't get any bookings? Or mm. how can you say no to that client when you're still you're coming home at 3 p.m. on a Saturday. Shouldn't you be there till five or six? Why aren't you so heavily booked out? And and I really trained in a culture of the busiest hairdresser was the most successful in some teams. Mm. Sometimes it's the fastest. Sometimes it's the busiest. Sometimes it's the people that say, I'm booked out for six months in advance. And all of those things freak me out a little bit. And that's I celebrate <laughs> you if that's how you like to operate because that's great if that is your color for success. But my hair color success comes down to, I realized it's really important for me to have creativity, even on the busiest weeks in December or before I go on a holiday, I still like to have change and offer that. So in my messaging to clients, I let them know that I do customized and creative work. And I also can do color, I will color their hair that it could be natural looking or it could be mild or wild and that tends to attract clients Love that. not just in hair painting for reds warmer brunettes bright blondes I've even had a couple clients say you don't post any brunettes anymore am I still okay to be here and I say of course you are of course you are and I say I love doing your hair but building a brand and something that I've discovered I find it quite hard to photograph brunette hair it doesn't mean that I'm not doing it but I certainly don't do very much of it all of my new color clients every single one is either a color transformation or a color correction which we might call in the biz Mm -hmm. or a redhead either a natural redhead wanting to have their first color or to fix something up that went wrong somewhere else or someone dying to be one so as soon as I started sharing that's what I love to do and consistently, I've got other hairdressers sending clients to me. I wow. have other salons recommending me when their clients move interstate or come to yeah. Sydney. And I also have people that are previous clients or just people that are tagging me in community things, in hair groups. Because I've got really clear on my branding, redheads know that I'm their go-to girl now. and. I love it because I have all of the stock. That's another thing that I would mention to people in your business that certainly I could do a scalp bleach and unicorn hair or neon yellow and I have got some clients that want to do that. But I don't have enough space physically on the shelf to have every single color from every single range that can deliver everything. So once I niche down, I have all the different reds and coppers 
bleaches and other products needed to create a full spectrum of reds and coppers. And by special order, I can get in lavenders or neons. I have some of them there. But I do let people that are outside that realm wanting something customized that they need to let me know ahead of time so I can source that for them. Or I'm comfortable to let them go to another salon that I know will take really great care of them because there's enough clientele for me that's needing my service. So it's really helped me financially with budgeting, with having a sustainable business to niche down. I love that. And that's an important factor for independent stylists. And I love also that you said, you know, now that that's what you're sharing, that's what you're attracting. Sometimes I, and this is a conversation actually that came up in my mentorship a couple of weeks ago. And it was about like, well, I'm not really sure how to attract clients that are like, I want to kind of pivot into this one niche, but I've still got all sorts of clients. So should, do I have to share everyone that comes in my chair? Which is a really interesting question because I think, you know, one of the things that, and we talked about this a bit on your podcast, Christina, but like <laughs> we all fall into that, oh, I have to create as much content as possible because someone told us that we had to, right? So I think that that is a really great indicator and, and a really great lesson that you just shared that what you share is what you will attract. So if you're wanting a particular service to come to you more or you're wanting a particular type of client or whatever that looks like, the more you share, the more you will build your recognition in that niche, in that space. So brilliant lesson there. And then did you start your education journey before you niche down or was that after? Because I'm interested how that all came together with your online independent education. Yeah, it's a, it has been a parallel part of my career journey. It's, I was actually a fourth year apprentice the second time, as I've revealed. So I was actually a fifth year one. <laughs> and I was on stage at Sydney Hair Expo, which is our really big national hair show. So I've been educating either on a team or doing really small pieces where I would do something that a director had created the techniques and then I'm basically an extra pair of pants, hands, not pants, an extra <laughs> hair of hands. I got tongue twisted and, and creating something. But I had the confidence and the coaching from an early stage to do stage demonstrations and then worked with some of the big brands to do workshops usually early on it could be anything and it was different color techniques it might be foiling patterns different things that really linked with the brand and their marketing guidelines so for example if there was a new blonde collection by Redken I would be on the team and teaching one or two blonde techniques so given some creativity within that and when I decided to make this change to being a red hair specialist I literally changed my Instagram bio as step one to include red, copper and blonde hair specialist, my location. And then I started changing the images that I was sharing and the messaging. And I had the skills behind me to back it up, but I literally started with the Instagram bio. And then I realized 
so many hairdressers were struggling with reds, being backstage at some of these big shows, as well as being in the back rooms of hair salons doing training. And I decided it was, this is probably one of the scariest things I've ever done in my professional career, was to step away from working with L'Oreal or with Redken as a global artist after like 12 or 13 years to become an independent because I had that safety net removed and it was also one of the most pivotal and freeing moments because I could create content to serve hairdressers in what they were really needing help with. And that meant it was brand free or brand inclusive. And during the couple of years, in the last couple of years, when we've had extended, we had periods that were lockdowns and we couldn't go to work. At first, I was shocked and I was watching quite a bit of daytime TV. And then I realized it was a good time and it was a focused time to create an online course. I've been an independent for quite a few years and at first it really felt very uncomfortable because within brand guidelines I really knew when I needed to turn up to places what the expectations were but it was so exciting to set my own dates to write my own content to receive feed from students not all classes were exactly what we needed to be getting out there but the feedback helped me to build my online course and it all started actually with a free ebook that I still have available on my Instagram at Carla Christina and on my website which is called the ultimate guide to hair painting redheads it's 20 pages or it's just under 20 pages I created it in Canva and it has some of my tips and tricks and it just helped me See how many people, thousands of people have downloaded this free ebook. And from that, I built independent education, which now includes an online academy with a signature program, a mini course on formulating, and it is all on hair painting redheads. And there that. are people from all over the world that are interested in it. And it started from a freebie. They call it like a lead magnet in marketing terms or something that's helping people be led towards you and to try you. So it all started with that and experimentation, really. And your Instagram is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to formulation as well. And, you know, it's so funny because I just thought of a moment where when I was behind the chair And I've shared on the podcast a few times that I moved quite a bit. So I'd rebuild the clientele. But the other thing that I haven't actually talked about is if you move salons or move cities, you don't get to choose the color line, right, that they use. And so I remember one of the things that was always the most difficult whenever you'd make a transition was reformulating particularly reds, because I think those change. I mean, color lines are very varied in all of the shades, but I found that those red formulations were one of the most difficult things to recalibrate when you're switching. And this was less so later in my career, but I remember earlier that was a big roadblock sometimes. And it could it could create a bit of like fear and nerves. And so I love that you're creating education, that you're teaching 
how to be a strong formulator, not necessarily based on the color line that you're using. Yeah, I have felt nervous when I've worked in a salon. I've also had, I've made all of the mistakes. When I first started working on the salon floor, I made lots of people green by mistake. I've made people too light, too bright, too warm, too cool, and have learned how to fix it with strategy and step-by-step approaches. And that is something that I'm able to share with my students. And I think that particularly in reds and also some customized blonde toners, when you suddenly have a brand change, and that could be you're wanting to create your own salon or somebody that you work with or work for just comes in and announces, we've got this great deal. We're changing brands from this to this. And then you start getting redos. There are Mm -hmm. mistakes that are happening. It's happened to all of us and it can be very nerve wracking. I've actually left a salon that had several changes within a couple of years and the lack of consistency was proving a problem because you didn't have time. You need to do training. When I think those things happen, to do training that go back to foundational level Mm -hmm. with the actual brand to keep continuing a relationship with the new brand rep or educator. But the education that I've created that is brand inclusive means that hairdressers can come to me now and learn skills, strategies, and principle-based theory that will serve them today, this week, wherever they are, but also that they can revisit in future salons because they're proven strategies and techniques that are placements and formulas that will work. And we certainly, in in our coaching and in our online student community, we have those before and afters or this is my inspo, how can I get it photos. I encourage people to still ask for formula support because I want to be with them there to help them. But I do understand that when you're working so tightly with a brand, because I had that safety net working as an educator, but it almost led me to believe I could only achieve great things with that brand. And it's not the case. I have absolutely believed that at points in my career. As soon as you said that, it was like a light bulb went off. Um, And I remember that being something that I was like, this salon looks really amazing in this new city, but they don't use the same color line. And it was a really big issue um, moving. So I completely understand. And I think that's, you know, we talk about empowering stylists a lot on the podcast. And I think through education that's empowering you to just really build the skill set outside of what that specific brand you're working with is is a whole other kind of empowerment as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I've I've looked at things and just thought before, oh, I can't work there because they use that brand or (laughs) I can't go there because I'm an educator with this brand. And then if I go there, that'll stop my career in education and I've I've made it into a much bigger issue than it was, but there is such a varied career path available for us now as salon professionals that independents and Instagram stars and brand affiliated educators and influencers as well as college teachers are all part of the education industry and we all have things 
to contribute and different experience. And something that I've realized is if I'm helping hairdressers too much with their formulas as the strongest part of their training, I'm not setting them free. I want them to have my techniques and my strategies, but to have the ability to combine them like an artist at times when they're having a fabulous day or a stressful day and I'm not beside them. Because I think that with balayage, with styling, with nail artistry, there's different techniques that we certainly need to learn and practice. But when you niche down or when you're starting to work in your own independent way or as your own personal brand, you do have this strength that you've got so many different things that you can pull together for your own personal style and you start seeking out the brand or the location that can best support you. It's not the other way around anymore. Ooh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> that is so good. So one of the other things that I noticed that you talk about a lot, and I would love to to dig into this a little bit, is consultation for color, right? So this is really interesting because I think that a lot of the time with new guests, we're really great at consultations. And this is something that I've had a lot of stylists tell me and we've had a lot of conversations over the years in salons I've worked at. But is there a specific way that you consult with all your guests that allows you to have this creativity and feel really confident? Because you said that creativity is really important. So how do you bring your guests into that and make sure that the experience is really that you're able to have that creativity and they're also feeling really comfortable and confident with the direction and with the changes that you make? Well, I think that's a great question and something I've I've learned and attended so many different education courses that have had the key artists or the facilitators way of doing consultations. So over the years, I've worked out some ways that I can get the information that I need that have more open-ended questions, but I have gone from doing things sort of very detailed or having checklists and things to having something that feels more comfortable for me. So I have more of a mental checklist perhaps rather than the physical one, which I needed to do when I first started out. And something that I really encourage people to do if they are wanting to niche down or they are wanting to pre-interview people for new clients and for my existing clients, I now have a Google form that I ask. I don't work in a salon just to clarify with a salon front desk manager or person that's on the phone during business hours. So I'm working with clients and can't be distracted with incoming calls and texts in order to keep on time. So I've created a online Google form that collects people's name, mobile, email. I have a few questions with services that I like to promote. So they are perhaps a full head of highlights. Um, would you like to have a customized red, for example, with haircut or without? Is it as soon as possible? Do you have a preferred date in mind? And I ask a few key questions. So it is like a pre-consultation form to help me get some information before I even reply to them, before they even come into the salon. That's for existing and new clients. I then can email them back and offer them some time availability because I find that I'm 
more focused when I'm sitting at my computer than doing a text or an Instagram DM. So I lead all inquiries to that linked form. Then all of my new clients have an automated email that gets sent that I set up again in Google Forms. So this is a free thing that you can do and tweak to suit your business that asks them for a bit more information and to please send over some photos. And I can see their current hair, what they're hoping, and it's a way of me scanning who I'd like to work with as well as checking that they're the right person and I can let them know that I specialize in x y and z I work on these three days a week and either come in for a consultation only or I book them in for a technique now in my consultations I charge for them so if they're coming in just for a consultation it's a currently 20 minute service that can include a test strand where I snip a little piece of hair off from the back to test if it's a transformation and it will cost $50 that's payable at the time of making the booking. So since I've started charging, people turn up for those. I used to have people holding up spots in my day and then not showing up, which became quite costly. So I charge for those. And in the consultation, whether it's within a colour service or it's a standalone appointment, on another day, I've already got some of that information. I usually introduce myself, tell them what I specialize in and ask them, how do they feel about their hair? And that's quite an open-ended question. And then my other question is, what would you like to achieve today? And so I'm asking how they feel, and that could be anything from feeling like it's too fine or I really love it at the moment. It could be a long or a short answer. And then I look at photos with them. I ask them to narrow it down to one rather than 10 because that's overwhelming. And then when we look at the photo, I've tried it. I've tried all these ways. And then I think, oh, that looks like purple bob and then an orange pixie. Which one are we looking at? So then I ask a question. So my two questions are, how do you feel about your hair? And tell me what you would like to achieve today. Do you have any photos? Let's have a look. Then I use the photo to ask further questions. For example, do you like, what do you like about that? Do you like the sweeping fringe? You don't currently have one. And then I quote before I go off and mix up and we come up with a game plan for them for that day, maybe a long-term journey. So that's a a summary of how I do it. My consultations can go for about 15 to 20 minutes for the first time. And my revisiting clients, they would be shorter, but I never say same again because I want to make sure that I'm checking in with them and offering change every single time. So I do say, How are you feeling? Have you been swimming more? Um, What are you loving? What changes would you like to see, if any? That would be a quick abbreviated one. Ooh, okay. I love this. And I wrote down three things that I wanted to highlight. You know, I love the three things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Do you love threes? Yes. (laughs) So the three things that I highlighted here that I love is number one, the paid consultation. I think this is something I'd love to see more in our industry, because I think, like you said, A, when people have put that investment in, I think it elevates your expertise, right? And it allows them, I think they almost come with getting your opinion and your knowledge and your time as having value, which 
we all know it does. But I do love that paid consultation. I think that's a really intelligent way to elevate that experience and make it feel good both ways for you and the client. I find that it is more transactional. And I just wanted to share that it can stop you feeling like they're coming to you to get all your ideas and go somewhere else. Because Mm -hmm. I'm okay if they do that. If they come and I'm not the right fit, totally fine. They've still paid for my time. That's why I like to do it as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then it allows you to have that, you know, wanting to have new clients in because it's exciting. And you know that even Mm. if that consultation doesn't work out, you're still compensated. It's not taking that time out of your day. So I love that. And then the second thing that I highlighted is the how do you feel about your hair? So simple, so brilliant. Because it gives them that opportunity to express anything. And then also it allows you to take that temperature. A hair appointment isn't just about the hair, right? It's about the experience. And I think just asking that type of about how they're feeling about it and getting that really great feedback on where they're at, maybe whether they're feeling confident, whether they're not feeling confident, allows you to not only serve them better with their hair, but also throughout the experience. Absolutely. And I I like that you referred to that as a temperature check because it is really checking on their emotional feelings around their hair as well, because at different times of life, it might be going for a job. They may have had a baby recently and they have hair loss. They may have had a miscarriage or they have hair loss. They might be about to go on an exciting first date with someone, or they might just need some maintenance done and they just feel a bit overwhelmed and they're apologetic they haven't been in for six months. Any of those things can help guide how you are going to be suggesting things to them for that visit, but also you'll be able to analyze what the hair texture is like and just even how much product it can guide you towards pricing and suggestions to what they're feeling like. It just removes it being what do you want to do today? Oh, yep. So we're going shorter. I've had terrible haircuts done to me. I've had fringes that are way too short, which I must admit were my problem because I did put a piece of paper over my eyes and (laughs) I didn't want to get the hair in my eyes. And I've laughed with a friend saying, whoops, that was a lot shorter than I thought, but I do like micro fringes, so it's fine. But I've had really miscommunicated haircuts done on me and I'm sure many of our clients have as well and it's it's about not extracting enough information I would prefer to have less time to do their hair and more time to be on the same page and to offer a service that's possible I might still only have 60 minutes if I've talked for 10 to 20 minutes with them that reduces it down to 40 minutes service time I've got services. I choose a relevant technique for the time available and then I will let them know next time I'd love for you to come in for a 90-minute appointment or next time come back in four weeks actually. We can really add on to that what we talked about today. I love that. I lo- And I think you're so right that like being on that same page and having that mutual understanding is so important. And I tend to agree with you that I would rather have less time and and a really solid understanding. And then the third thing that I wanted to highlight, because this actually brings me back to, I 
I've heard this in multiple classes throughout my career that the number one reason that clients leave their stylist is they don't feel like they can get a change or they feel like they're being taken for granted or, you know, that just feeling of, oh, I just go in and they're like, oh, perfect. Same as last time. And then just go mix up without even talking to you. So that offering change piece and not just making assumptions, I think is a really, really important takeaway. Yeah, absolutely agree. And when I share that with with my students and also with clients, it doesn't mean because I'm a hair color specialist, I'm not cutting and doing styling, but I work in collaboration. I work alongside people because my clients are needing those services, right? So I'm not totally removed from those different services. But what I'm offering is still consistent results. I can't just mix up something. So just to speak to hairdressers, I can't offer something completely different every single time in the fear that I'm going to cause hot roots and banding, which particularly in hair painting for redheads are two of the most common mistakes with inconsistent results and things that put fear into us is that we cause banding because we listen to the clients who are requesting change every time or we do hot roots because we don't quite know our levels and we're wanting to offer change. So offering change can be about knowing your color principles, knowing your principles, but knowing techniques that are adaptable and create change. So for example, I've got some uh, gray hair clients or clients that have a bit of gray that are needing coverage I keep their base color that is consistent and is done every four or five weeks, exactly the same, unless they're wanting a major transformation. And then I do something that's called a double process color. We often do that in blondes. We bleach and tone, we balayage and zone tone. In reds and coppers, we don't always think that that is a part of what you do. And it's something that a lot of my students then discover for our grey head fashionistas or our clients that want to mix it up all the time, looking at your temporary toners, your semis, your demis, your direct dyes, they don't leave a permanency on the hair. And you could change those every time, but keep the foundation similar to avoid the banding. And that makes clients know that you're customizing and keeping it fresh for them, but you're not causing inconsistencies and I call them like whoopsies or the unexpected (laughs) outcome. And we don't want those ourselves on a busy day, but clients don't want those as well. So you can mix things up when you revisit your principles of what's temporary and what's not. So I hope that that helps provide a bit of insight to avoid the banding and just saying yes all the time. Also change, but also change that's adaptable and doesn't set you up for inconsistent stripes and banding with hair color as well. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, sometimes they'll accept the change and sometimes they're happy, but I think it's just being providing that same level of service with an existing client that you would with a new client. So I love that you mentioned that. And I think you're right. There's so many different ways. Like even if you've got a client who a a real big change isn't feasible, even in the time that they have, But you're talking to them, you're communicating, and maybe the next time, or maybe it's a slightly different uh, placement, or there's so many different ways. And I think what you said about just having that conversation is really, really important. So thank you for sharing those tips. I think it's something that I've 
I've done, we've probably all done is to, you want to say yes, we're people pleasers. We want mm-hmm. to be offering change. Some hairdressers do get stuck into you're busy or you, you're not feeling that motivated. Just adding something that's slightly customized. It could even be adding on a treatment. It can increase right. your sales target. It can increase your profit. And it may have a little bit of, in in my case, I might have something that's a copper color moisturizing treatment. It's a really easy sell, but it still feels luxurious and special. And it's something that maybe they hadn't tried before. So it doesn't have to be a major transformation, but just offering change for people and helping an educated client is a happy client because they know how to care for their hair and how to connect with you and ask for change as well. I love that. What a brilliant takeaway that is. And thank you so much for everything you've shared today. I just want to ask you a final question and then we're going to give my listeners all of the links, all of the places they can find you, which I'll also include in the show notes. But the final question I want to ask you first is what do you think the biggest impact that getting intentional with building your personal brand and niching down, what is the biggest impact you think that's had on you professionally? In one word, I would say independence. And in a longer description, I would I would provide a little bit more insight into that. I have the ability, my weeks from week to week look quite different they are generally doing work that I really love. And in the first couple of years, it's a lot of behind the scenes work when building an online course, when creating and learning new skills that are in design and graphics and marketing and things that weren't taught in my hairdressing career early on. So I I think that building a personal brand is about wanting to attract the type of work that you would like to do. I have felt independent since niching down and able to create the day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month guides of where I'm wanting to be. I, I never wake up and think, oh, I'm bored. I'm doing work that I like that's challenging. And to find somebody that's not you, you don't want to always be the best in the room. So to continue to seek out education and I've had to learn how to do Facebook ads and I'm in a community with other online course creators that all support each other and really niching down means that I'm no longer doing the work that I didn't really like doing. I don't look in my column on my appointment page and think, oh, that person again. I've phased out the type of work and the type of people I don't want in my salon chair and I'm attracting in students in my online program that align with me, that I enjoy coaching and that I love to cheer on who already know that my messaging is going to help them elevate and it feels good because you're doing what you love to do. I love that and yes, oh my goodness. And I would love to underscore that whole thing you just said. <laughs> um, so I'm sure after listening to this um, conversation, my listeners will want to come learn more about you. So where can they find you? I know you have a fabulous podcast called Color Christina Talk, right? And then absolutely. So they can find me there. And I think on Instagram is really easy. So 
I'm in Australia, so I spell colour a little bit differently, I think, to Canadians and people in America. So it's Colour Christina is my Instagram. It's C-O-L-O-U-R-K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. I've also got a website that has lots of handy links and you can find different ways of working with me. Plus, I've got my podcast blog there. So that is christinarussell.com.au and you can find my contacts there. You can also find my free ebook, The Ultimate Guide to Hair Painting Redheads on my website or just easily by following or clicking on the links at Color Christina. Amazing. I will link all of the resources that Christina mentioned in the show notes as well. And it's funny, actually, because the color is spelt the same in Canada and in England. So when I work with my U.S. client, I'm continually misspelling it based on the U.S. spelling. That's a part of my branding. I did, first of all, spell it the American way because I was working with Redken and I thought that's how small I thought Facebook would be. And I did do color without the U in it. So I did adapt that. I still own that uh, Instagram, but when I changed, I changed it to my true spelling. And I almost forgot, I've also got, if people would like, I've got a free online, like an on-demand masterclass on how to achieve reds and copper hair color without hot roots or banding. So that's aimed at hairdressers that would love to learn some further insight. So you can find that link on my website or it's an easy to register and watch instantly. You can click the link in my Insta at Color Christina. Amazing. That sounds fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been really inspiring and I loved hearing your journey and the fabulous tips that you've given my listeners. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Jody, for hosting me and for sharing this colorful conversation with your listeners I look forward to connecting with the listeners don't be shy feel free to ask me questions or anything in the dms on instagram I'm there almost daily so I will reach out to you and answer your colorful questions thanks again Jody. <laughs> thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the hairstylist rising podcast If you haven't already, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Be sure to check out our show notes for all of the links mentioned in today's episode. And if you want to get in touch with me and let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to see on the podcast, or just share your favorite episode, send me a DM over on Instagram, either at hairstylistrising or at it's Jody Brown. I am so excited to see you back here, same place, same time next week. And until then, I am Jody Brown. I am your host and I'm signing off now. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and we'll see you next week.